For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York Football Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the only place for every New York football team and their fans. Do you believe I'm your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez, and welcome to another episode of the New York Football Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, comment, subscribe, rate, all of it's appreciated, guys. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter, at NYFootballPod, as well as at Tino Rodriguez with an underscore. We got a lot to get to on today's show. My good friend Joe Monaco stops by to recap his experience at the XFL New York Guardians home opener on Sunday. I also dive in to the New York Giants contract situation when it comes to Leonard Williams. We also talk about Daniel Jones hosting a workout at Duke with some Giants receivers as well as a Jet and former Duke alumni. And I give you guys my take on National Signing Day for both Rutgers and Army But first, I'm going to give you guys a recap on my XFL experience as I was able to attend the New York Guardians home opener on Sunday. And I'll just start by saying it was worth the price of admission and some. Uh, Luckily, I had Saturday to kind of ease me into uh, what to expect. But still, I don't think there was any way to prepare myself for uh, what I encountered uh, during the tailgate and the uh, overall game and experience in itself. But the focus on more of just the football aspect of it, I was actually genuinely impressed. Uh, The product that the XFL was able to put on the field this weekend, not only in the Guardians game, but uh, as well as the other games, was uh, genuinely impressive. Uh, In terms of the Guardians, they won as underdogs. They opened as five-and-a-half-point dogs, finished or close at three-and-a-half. They dominated the entire game. So the Guardians may be the best football team in New York, and actually are now listed tied with the uh, DC, uh, DC defenders as the highest and best odds to uh, win it all at plus 350. So this weekend changed a lot for the Guardians, but they ended up resulting in the 23-3 to win over the Tampa Bay Vipers, led 17 to nothing at half, forced a ton of turnovers, and it was, it was a good football game to watch. Uh, you saw a good redemption story in Matt McGloin. I was on here joking around, saying he might still be the backup in the XFL. Um, Very much wrong. Uh, Proved that a good backup quarterback in the NFL can result into a very good XFL quarterback because uh, McGloin was slinging it. He was climbing the pocket, delivering uh, balls outside the numbers, in tight windows, along the sideline. Pretty much was spot on all game. Now, I can't really find box scores for the XFL for some odd reason, but uh, from the eye test, he definitely passed it. The Guardians, as a unit, were able to also win the battle between Jets, Giants, and Bills fans as it, there was a interesting crowd, not only in the parking lot, but you know in the uh, inner circle of that stadium, all united, wearing different jerseys, uh, some people wearing gargoyle heads, which I assume is what a guardian is. I'm not too sure. Nonetheless, we're able to unite New York uh, collectively and put on a good show and put together a winning effort. In the parking lot itself, I wasn't able to see it, but it looked like Bill's Mafia made sure their presence was felt, jumping through tables, and may just be the XFL Mafia until the uh, season comes around, at least until preseason in August. So if you want to find Bill's Mafia, you know where to find them. Home games for the Guardians on Sundays uh, or Saturdays. But nonetheless, you pretty much had everything you wanted to see in a good football game. Uh, Turnovers, big hits, uh, some scrambles, 
some interesting play calls, conversions, uh, and a defensive touchdown. That was pretty impressive. The Guardians D put together two uh, two intos, two fumbles, one pick was in the end zone, and a really nice defensive stand. They made another defensive stand to end the game as well. So again, quality stuff, uh, definitely not gimmicky. And what stole the show to me was the kickoff. The kickoff was sweet. Uh, it's definitely, it seems like this isn't a new idea, although they're implementing it now. It seems like it makes a lot of sense, and uh, you know, players adapted to it nicely. And uh, it it wasn't the least bit confusing. Uh, there was only one penalty where the uh, front line took off before the receiver had caught the ball or received the kickoff. But overall, interesting. And when you talk about the league trying to change the concussion protocol or it's always on the agenda and 21% of concussions come from kickoffs, it just naturally makes sense that the NFL should probably alter the way they're going about their kickoff. But whether they're going to mirror the XFL identically and put their players at the 35-yard line or you know, adapt to it, it just makes sense that the NFL starts to look forward to doing this uh, if they're really concerned about player safety, like they say they are. Alongside the kickoff, the punt was also different, uh, which I thought was also pretty cool because it completely changed the style of play calling coaches had inside, you know, the 45 to 45. Because the likelihood of a punter either kicking the ball out of bounds or into the end zone, which we commonly see in the NFL, is uh, it's high from that range. So you might as well go for it. And this almost eliminates the punt altogether in the sense that uh, you're always going to go for it. It's an automatic call as a head coach. Uh, and it's a lot easier to manage knowing that, uh, you know, it's just the norm to go for it on fourth down there. Because you saw a lot of the play calling where it's like second and eight and there isn't a, a need to pass the ball, really. You can run one extra time. If you run on first down, gain two, run again, you're at 13 six. Now your playbook's still wide open because it takes, you know, two downs to get six yards and completely changes everything. And the, the, the play clock also makes the plays come out faster. It's just there's a lot more offense to it and uh, makes it a much better watch, in my opinion, uh, in terms of uh, making an offense that could look a little bad much, much better. And it's more entertaining for a fan to watch, especially if you don't know what's going on on the field. So I think the XFL is definitely taking a step in the right direction with these rule changes and uh, the game changes that they have within the game itself that... Uh, you know, makes even a, a, an everyday watcher of football interested in learning more and understanding more of it. Uh, and even for people who have no idea what's going on, just makes it an overall more exciting game because you're just making plays and taking chances on the field, especially when you go for it on fourth down. You know, even something as simple as that adds some interest to the game. So the XFL is definitely taking a step in the right direction. I'd like to add that I don't think anyone went for a three point conversion this week, which is a little disappointing. I saw a few times they went for two, uh, but the Guardians uh, were the only team to score, and they went for one each time. So uh, I would like to see an increase in chances on going for three, but I guess that's not always the smartest decision to make. Before I switch over to my interview with Joe Monaco, I also want to add that the real MVP of the game was the man who at some point stripped himself down to his tidy whities and jumped over the uh, wall in Section 106 and fell flat in front of security, made it about three feet into the end zone, and then was apprehended and tackled. And after the fact, decided to get up and thrust the air several times as the fans cheered on. Uh, you can see the video I have on the Twitter account, at NYFootballPod. Funny stuff. I'm, I'm a little higher up than uh, some of the better shots you could get, but nonetheless, capture, the, capture him humping the air. So uh, check it out. Uh, at New York Football Pod on Twitter. We're going to get to the interview here with Joe Monaco. Uh, Joe is a huge Giants fan, so we spend a lot of time talking about them. Uh, we also touch on his experience at the New York Guardians home opener, uh, some of the rules again, things he saw, things he liked. But without further ado, here he is, Joe Monaco. Hey.
All right, now we have on my friend Joe Monaco. Joe, welcome to the show. I'm just giving you a heads up. You have a nice little Jimi Hendrix intro coming in. Uh, hey, Joe, I hope uh, that gets a thumbs up from you. Well, if you can't see me right now, I am putting my thumb up. And thank you for having me on, Tino. It's a pleasure to be here. And I love the song. Big fan of Jimi Hendrix. I was trying to think of the uh, WWE uh, walkout to uh, Jimi Hendrix. I can't even think of the wrestler right now. but Oh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. That's Hollywood Hulk Hogan, I think, actually, right? Yeah, Hulk yeah. Hogan's, uh, he's been through a lot. <laughs> a lot of phases, Hulk Hogan. A lot of phases. Uh, would Hulk Hogan make an XFL roster? He 150%. Yeah, he, right now, he would, 100%. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy. He, like, he would wear the bandana. I don't even think he'd need a helmet. Like, the bandana have- serves as a, like a head protection in itself. They would have to change the name to the Brothers. Like, whatever the team name is, just change it. Vince right. McMahon would be like, yeah, done. <laughs> so, Joe, you went to the XFL game. I also attended the XFL game. Um, a bit of disappointment for me was that uh, I didn't see a three-point conversion, and I also didn't see you at the game. So that's, uh, that's unfortunate, but I'm sure you had a great time there. Yeah, I had a wonderful time. I'm, I honestly – it blew me away. I honestly didn't expect uh, – didn't expect that that much fun or the game to be that well. I mean, it wasn't a great game, but I really enjoyed what I saw. Some big plays and the atmosphere was honestly really impressed me. The fans showed out. We were hashtag on duty. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what hashtag on duty actually means, but Neither do I. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, I was going to say, did you notice that in the in the crowd it was just like Jets, Bills, Eagles, Giants fans, and like I don't think anyone came at each other the entire game. Like oh, I've no, never we, seen we that many fans just happy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everyone had the Guardians as home dogs. Just bet bet the money line, and they the they disrespect just, home dogs. And they there wasn't even a second that they were trailing. Where was it? No, we were even close. The Vipers. Your Not boy Andy close. Murray got benched. Aaron Murray looked like hot garbage, and it upset me because I was a fan of his in college. I don't know who. I don't even know who the backup was that got that played he's most from, of the second half. From, so he's from UCF. Uh, Trey. Not Trey Flowers, something Flowers for oh, Trey Flowers. He's on the Patriots. Nonetheless, he was nasty. Four-year starter at UCF. He's just like a dual-threat guy. He's like perfect for the XFL. It, Aaron Murray is. He's a Georgia quarterback. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's just imagine Jake Fromm in the XFL. Just yeah, we might see him there in like four or five years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depending where he goes this season. I think he's going to the draft. I think he's in the draft. So. He is. He is. Yeah, he is. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Did you also see that uh, the Vipers DC had two headsets on? Did you catch this look? Yeah, somebody said it was like uh, Mariah Carey with the two pianos. (laughs) Well, I was going to say the funniest part is that he's like this old school football guy. And he's like two headsets trying to cover his mouth and hide plays. And they're mic'd up. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's like, I don't know the age thing or what but it's just so funny to me because i'm pretty sure like he convinced himself like even as they were wiring him up he's like i can beat this i i can (laughs) i can can get past this they won't know what's coming you gotta respect it honestly a for effort for sure uh so you like the game flow you were saying i that i uh said earlier in this show that the offense even though it very easily could have been bad and on the viper side it was bad it was still entertaining. Like I, it was surprisingly entertaining. The the uh, play clock and the going for it on fourth down. It was sweet. It was awesome. To watch. So, Sunday was the first day of the rest of Matt McGloin's life. <laughs> wow. He was yeah. slinging that ball. You, he he, he yeah, a lot of the deep pocket? balls. Did you see him climb the pocket? Like oh yeah, climb up and deliver one. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I was. I talked about how it didn't matter the throw numbers hash. <laughs> dump outs, uh, dump off passes down the sideline. He really actually hit everything. I, I don't just, know the percentage. Just get open, McGloin will hit you. He maybe threw like four incompletions. That's probably not yeah, accurate, no, he, but it seemed that way. That really surprised me because I remember my buddy was like, yeah, Matt McGloin's our quarterback. And I was like, yikes. But I don't know. It looked like Joe Montana back there. Dude, they're buying in too. I don't know if you saw the post-game press conference. Guy is... He's the Guardians franchise quarterback. If I'm him, why go back? Why go back to the NFL? I mean, more money, obviously, but he owns New York. He owns New oh, York he, right now. 
he's got a he's got a chance to be on the Mount Rushmore of New York sports legends. I he's he wants I think he wants to make this team his own, and uh, they're giving him the reins, and they're saying take us. I, I saw that they had like the second. They were apparently like ranked like seventh or eighth, like out of the eighth teams. But then I was looking at FanDuel today, and I saw they had the second best odds to win the whole thing. So yeah. I, yeah, I might throw a future on that because I got a feeling this train's not coming off the tracks anytime soon. And you want to know what the awesome thing is? They're matched with the defenders and they both play each other this week. So immediate. Oh yeah. That was the other on the line. That's Cardell Jones. Yeah. Cardell Jones. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be. Yeah. They look good. I watched that game. The guardians, I think are going on the road. So they'll probably be dogs again, which is, I mean, just give it to me, which is a mistake by, by Vegas, but we'll, we love that. We'll let that slide. We'll let that slide. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. Okay. Oh, Something very important we got to touch on. Daniel Jones continuing the tradition down at Duke University, where I and I had thought about this. So Eli started this, you know, naturally went to Duke every offseason because he liked Cutcliffe, the head coach at Duke. But he didn't go to school there. So like for Daniel no. Jones, he's just going back to school, which is kind of awesome. It's like uh oh, alumni weekend, you know, he's just down there owning it, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, he really, he did do proud this year. When's the last, I mean, he had to be the highest ranked Duke player, not, not highest ranked, highest drafted player in Duke history, right? I mean, yeah, definitely. Sixth overall. I mean, there's no chance that in anyone in the NFL, in the NFL, NBA, in the NFL definitely. yes. And NBA, I think it's happened uh, <laughs> recently. Zion, but still, yeah, nonetheless. Uh, well, and that's the thing, I guess. Uh, maybe uh, his statistic of highest ranked Duke player to get drafted in the NFL goes under the radar when Duke had three first rounders in the NBA draft, like at the same exact time. So yeah, probably like the fifth biggest star on campus. And he got, he went two in the first three. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah, I want to, I definitely want to see uh Zion a Giants game next year somehow just supporting this guy. I would like to see Zion <laughs> on the Giants. <laughs> yeah. I would enjoy that too. He could definitely play cornerback. I mean, it works. Actually, no, no maybe in college. He could. He's getting a little big now. He is getting bulkier. I mean, he do. He would be a beast edge rusher. Like, yeah, that's the, that's the position. Because he has huge hands. Anyways, yeah, okay. Oh, my God, that wingspan. So, yeah. So here's the question. Here's the question on Jones, though, okay? Uh, do you like that he's continuing the legacy? Like, are you – because the thing is, he's, you know, Eli Jr. and all this. Granted, mm-hmm. it's, it's his own school, so he'd probably go there to train anyways. But he's doing exactly what Eli did. You, you like it? Don't like it. Well, well, let me tell you this, Tino. If he does exactly what Eli does his entire career, I'll sign that dotted line right now. So, so far, so good. That's what I said. Because yeah. I agree with that point. I mean, although we had a, uh, a ton of losing seasons, if I can sign up for two rings at some point on some pretty crazy runs, for sure. I, I, yeah, would, I mean, I would take that every time. The thing with me is, 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 is exactly what you said. I mean, what is this whole thing for to win championships? Like, yeah, being a Packers fan has been more fun consistently, but to, but Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl. I mean, people are going to tell you Aaron Rodgers absolutely has a better career than Eli Manning, which, you know, m- most people would agree with probably, but uh, he had more rings and that's what we're doing this for. So if you're going to tell me that we'll have, we'll be up and down, we'll be, have some seriously low lows, but we'll get those highest of highs. I'll sign up for it. It's a roller coaster. I'll, I'll get on and, that anytime. And what I think about when I think of the Packers, too, in a situation like that, I always talk about how Eli had to beat Favre in the uh, NFC Championship game, that first Super Bowl run. And that oh, yeah. game was sick. Because oh, I game. remember that was – even before the Super Bowl, there was no chance the Giants were supposed no chance. to beat the Packers and Favre in Lambeau. They weren't supposed like, to beat the Cowboys no week before. No chance. Yeah. It, 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 and so – like a guy like that, like, sure, he has more name power, even though Eli was a Manning. Like, I would rather sign up for a guy who's going to just bust his ass his entire career and the result will pay off in a run taking down some of those great guys, starting up a conversation like, well, yeah, you know, Far Rogers, they're better, they're better. But he's like, but they didn't beat him, you know, when it mattered, at least. Like, Rogers own the Giants in the regular season. He Put like forty. I, oh, he threw like five touchdowns a season, but they in the they, snow. But they beat them in the second Super Bowl run in Lambeau. Yeah. So it's like you know, granted though the Packers are a tough example because then they beat us 
but we beat ourselves. We beat ourselves in that playoff run with Odell. Because that was oh, a Miami yeah. trip. That Eli, was last time. We're putting it on, guys. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was Odell's worst game with the Giants ever. Oh, I mean, he had, not even close. He had an early drop, like, on a slant round to make it. And then we went up 3 nothing, And then he had the drop in the end zone. In the end zone. Because field goal to go up 7 nothing. And then, I mean, you're, that not gonna, you're not going to win games that way. Bobby Rainey uh, took a punt. Oh. He took a kickoff. At like, at like the two, the yard two. Line. it was going out of bounds and he took it at the two and he stepped out of bounds. It was... <laughs> we get the ball at the two yards. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the 40. We got the ball in the 45. <laughs> oh my God. And, I think, and it was like 13 to six for the yeah. longest time. And Eli hit Tavares King. Talk about a one hit wonder. I mean, not even, but Tavares King caught the, t- he threw a deep ball to him, caught it. All of a sudden it's like, no, it was 14 to six. It's now all of a sudden it's 14 to three and then the Packers went right down and scored and then they're up by eight and then they kicked it off. And that's where Bobby Rainey stepped out of the two. You know what's crazy. And and Aaron Rodgers loves to do this because I also saw he, uh, he played the giants at MetLife one time and he beat them under a minute and a half down a touchdown down like five points. Uh, He connected it Jordy Nelson three times down the sideline and scored, I think. And we still had like a minute to go. Like he scored in maybe 25 <laughs> seconds. And like real no life timeouts. Time, like no minute. timeouts. Everyone knew he had to throw the, uh, throw the ball to the sideline. Didn't matter. And it was the Didn't same matter. receiver. It was like, yeah, I he's going to throw it to Jordan Nelson on the sideline. You still can't stop it. Uh, in the regular season, the Giants had played them close as well. They played them they were, in that game. They were down a touchdown in like the third quarter. The late in the third quarter. It got so out of hand. It's so fast. Like, exactly. I, I don't know what happened. You blinked and it's just like, oh, wow. Yeah, there's another pick. There's another touchdown. It was in the snow, so the Packers at one point, like going for a field goal, would have been stupid with how snowy it was. So they went for it on fourth and ten, and it was like, yeah, it was like Madden. Like the guy gets it on fourth and ten, like nothing. It was, oh, yeah, no, it's that uh, defense. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of defense, and this was a uh, this was a question I knew that would cut deeper. Now uh, it's my last one involving Jones right now. But I think we briefly talked about this last time. But, you know, yeah, we had a really bad defense. And we could have drafted defense at six overall last year. And we didn't. Should we have? Should we have, Joe? Do you think if you could do it over again, will we take Josh Allen or Ed Oliver over Daniel Jones? No, right? That That is a good question, Tino. And I don't know. I know you know this, but I'm sure the listeners don't because they probably know nothing about me. Is that I was at the draft last year in Tennessee when Daniel Jones was picked. And I'll never forget standing there and there was a Giants fan like two people away from me. And I remember telling him, buddy, this is perfect. They didn't take Josh Allen. He's fallen to us. This is a dream scenario. Mm -hmm. And the sound wasn't on in the bar. So I just didn't even hear what they said. I just saw Daniel Jones stand up and hug his mother. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. And I remember at the time, I will be the first one to tell you, I was furious at the pick because I remember I was screaming the whole time, you couldn't get that kid at 17. But, you know, as as time went on, people kind of started saying that they don't really know what would have happened. And you can't really say at the time they were getting criticized because they people said they could have gotten him at 17. That was stupid. Like, could have dropped the defense then him. But looking back, you really don't know. I have a buddy who's a Redskins fan, and he said he wanted them to draft Daniel Jones. At, I think about eighth there, nineteenth overall pick or something. But if I could do it again, if if I could control the past and go back in time and change what the Giants did, I think I would. Uh, I think I would still do it because I'd still do it as it was because Dexter Lawrence is looking pretty solid. I was going to say, you know, that's it's nice of you to say that too because you were in Smashville itself and you wanted a particular player, and if. At the time, if you go back in Smashville and they draft Josh Allen, what a night. What a, I mean, yeah. the night probably what completely an, oh, different What a night you. that would have been. I mean, what? don't get me wrong. We had a great <laughs> time after that. But uh, it took me like an hour and a half to kind of like get back into like you just the right need, Yeah, because you need to look up the statistics, some facts, you know, really. Yeah. You know, that first hour, hour and a half when they have a, a draft pick like Daniel Jones. Like it's not Saquon, like. You knew about Saquon. We, we can watch the yeah. highlights even before they draft him. But like Jones, you're like, okay, oh, his receivers had drops. We need to know this. We need to the, – the facts that matter. Not the fact that he went six overall. Just the facts that matter. The facts I, that matter. Yeah, man. I, I, I agree with you, though. I would, I would definitely do it again just because 
uh, I was more nervous. They were going to try to take Dwayne Haskins. And I was like, please don't do that. Like, even- yeah, you know, it's funny. I actually loved, I, I liked that kid a lot. I, thank God. I think I remember actually, I liked him a lot just cause I only liked him cause he said he wanted to go to the giants and that cause he was from New Jersey. That's I was like, I love that. It's the kind of kid we need, but I'm glad. Uh, yeah, that's, not, that's <laughs> why I'm not the general manager. You're <laughs> just drafting anyone who just tells you what you want to hear. Yeah. I definitely. Oh like yeah. Perfect. <laughs> You'll be He's perfect. Like, yeah, he- there was an interview he was naming like, yeah, Antonio Pierce, like straight hand guys that grew up watching. Like he was just ripping off names like Jeremy Shockey, Kevin Boss. He was dropping. I was like, this guy knows his stuff. He needs to be in blue. He was putting up like Twitter pictures of him in like Giants blue. That I saw. That by the rival. But, and then <laughs> I was going to say, I saw those pictures and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't happening. You, you, uh, you just like, even because with Barkley, he was at two and we still didn't mm-hmm. know. Like yeah. that one was for sure. And I was like, nah. I, don't, I don't know. I, this could really go, you know, either way. They, re- they really didn't show interest in him. Like going into draft night, I thought there was no scenario. I, did, I knew we weren't going to draft him. I thought we were honestly, didn't, I thought we were going to get like, I really didn't know what was going to happen. I just was worried about getting defense that sixth pick. But, you know, everything happens for a reason, I guess. And on that night, actually, I got into it with some Browns fans. There's a bunch of them. And I remember I just kept telling them that Odell was a cancer. And I was right about that. So that was a point to make. He probably won't be there much longer. Yeah, I mean, if it was up to him, he'd be out of there. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. And if they didn't guys trade love away, Tom Brady too. They did for him. All right, well, that'd be fantastic if he uh, if he ends up just being like a dud the rest of his career. That would make Eli look great. <laughs> <laughs> just made him great. I I think it'll be hard for him to be a dud for the rest of his career. Yeah, because, now he'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, his talent is like unless he there. abs himself. Well, all he needs is another Eli. That's what I'm saying. He can't go to a bigger yeah. Mayfield. Like, yeah, if no. you go to a bigger Mayfield, like, you need someone who's been there who's going to, like, at least not control him, but, like, have the upper edge on him. Like, Eli, like, Odell would not raise his voice to Eli Manning. Like, Eli no. would just, like, dude, relax. Like, go take a chill pill. Like, yeah, he'd be like, whoa. And over on the sideline, look pretty and get the crowd going. Like, I got this. Like, <laughs> you, we, don't, we don't even need you. I'm going to throw the ball to Mario Manningham each play, and we're going to yeah. score. You're going to be fine. Yeah, Ruben Randall's doing just fine without you. Yeah. <laughs> we are fine. Scott Simonson's getting catches. We're throwing a third string tight ends. We don't need Odell right now. Like, chill out. Okay. We got Caden Smith, too. Yeah. All right. So, oh. I was going to switch over. I wanted to play a game. We played it last week now. Uh, during our little intro before we got into the uh, interview itself, I did tell you our good friend Pags was on last week and we played a nice little game good called guy. XFL to NFL. But so the viewers know, you did not listen to the interview and you don't know the wrestlers I mentioned. So That's true. I yes. stopped listening before the so interview. The, these, these answers are yours. You don't know what's coming. Not, not prepped or anything. And I want to hear your take here. If any of these First guys... First time player. Yeah, yep, yep. Well, well, it doesn't need to be rapid fire. But if... You were the GM of the Guardian. Do you see these guys on the free agent list? You're like, all right, we're calling them for a tryout. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Rhino. <laughs> you ever seen the wrestler Rhino? <laughs> yeah. He's old school, right? He's real old school. Yeah. These, these are guys like I remember. I don't know if you watch. For a second, I thought you said Ryan Ho. I was like, what is that? Like a, like a, like, like a guy? <laughs> no, no rhino the guy with the black oh, hair wow. and he'd gore everyone yeah oh yeah that guy could definitely make was it, it a league. spear I, one or the other i think i, mean, I got his even need pads so okay so rhino i picked solely because of his tackling ability now the next guy oh yeah the next guy's a wild card scotty too hotty scotty too hotty man you know what I don't think he can make it in the league. I'll tell you what, if I'm the Guardians GM, I'm not going to draft him. Well, here's why, though. But here's why. Now, XFL, we're we're talking. Does he have, like, some background I don't know about? (laughs) He does the worm before his finisher. He does, like, a dance. Oh, I remember that. Clear a spot on the 40-man roster just for end zone celebrations. Think about it. Think about it. Honestly, that's a a very valid point. Especially with, like, all these interviews they got on the sideline, the flashy shit. He can do that. He's a WWE athlete. He can do that. All right. If, if Scotty Too Hot, he was kicking like game-winning field goals or doing the warm after, I would be – I don't know what's more electric than that. I don't know if he could kick, but maybe. Spe- wait, speaking but, of people nice who thought, kick, Booker T. Is Booker T getting a call? Booker T, 100%. That man was an athlete. Dude, a scissors kick from Booker T mid-XFL game would – I mean, i just give Vince McMahon all my money. I would become a season ticket holder of any team he was on. 
Oh, yeah, I was a, I was a Booker T fan. Uh, he didn't. No, he just did the scissor kick. I was trying to think if he did another special, but well, he I, did. I don't know if whenever he did something, he would like do like break dancing after, and he that's was right. absolutely yes, cold he, as hell at it. He, he killed it. He would just like he would scissor kick them and just spin on his back. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Like in his head. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a trip. All right. Uh, a few more. I got two more for you. All right, John Cena. This one's split. The fans are split on this one. Would John Cena get a call? Well. I know I'm a little biased. John Cena was my guy growing up, like my hero. Like if John Cena told me not to drink or do drugs, I was clean edge. But I know him and I know, well, not personally, but I know that he has some football experience. I know he was like a center in college. This is right. Like this is why the fans are yeah. split. But yeah. John so Cena right now is it. controversial because he, he's on the softer side right now. He, this yeah, is, he's got hair now. He, this isn't thug life, John Cena. I don't think he's wearing jean shorts in a while. I I honestly would have bet my life that John Cena wasn't even able to grow hair. I thought he was just like <laughs> shaved his head because he was balding. He's got a full head of hair now. Earplugs, baby. Well, I don't know if he did earplugs, <laughs> but probably, probably. Yeah, he is. He is. You know, the rich, the rich can do whatever. All right. Last but last but not least, the owner's son, Shane O'Mac. I, I think it's an automatic yes, just because realistically, if. Shane was just like, Dad, I'm playing. I don't think he has a choice. I think he just has to put him on the field and see what happens. If he wants it, he's getting in. Yeah, if, if he really wants it. Shane's got, like, gray hair now. I haven't, I haven't seen him, but I'm sure, like, the only video of Shane I need to see, I'll, I'll just always think he's the same age as when he threw himself off the cage and onto a table. You ever see that steel cage match? It's like, Oh, oh, absolutely. It's iconic. I remember SportsCenter will tweet that every year and be like, on this day. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the only like WWE clip. It's, it gets a, on this day, Shane O'Mac. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To a table. I, but I, I'm pretty sure he did that. Like, he did some crazy stunt in a WrestleMania not too long ago. Like, I'm thinking within the last five years where I he just jumped thing. off an that unholy never gets old. Height. And there's no way for people to be like, he faked that. You can't. Yeah, so that's the thing. no, he didn't. <laughs> no way. No, he did not. You go ahead, go up there, give it a try, give it a whirl. And like that in person to see like a stunt like that has got to be like the rush of a lifetime. <laughs> to see a man, you're like, is this guy gonna die? I was at a festival, and you ever been to festivals where like it's really intense? I believe it was either Travis Scott or ASAP Ferg. It was uh, at uh, Made in America in Philadelphia. And someone was mm-hmm. able, I have no idea how they did this, just shimmied up an entire light post. And it's like a two-layered light post. It was just straight up. There's like nothing to grab onto. And he just ends up getting past the light and onto the main tip of it itself and was just hanging, watching, just watching the show. And I remember people started to clear out around him because the sheer impact of him dropping from like 30, 40 feet in the air. Would- oh, what up? A- it's so I'm watching this and I, he thankfully landed safely, but I saw that with my own eyes. And I was like, yo, this guy is so high up. Like if he falls, if he jumps down, everyone is in big, big trouble. Like this. I really, yeah, it was bad. I, it was, I really don't even understand the concept of shimmying. Like, how do you, how do you, like, how do you get all the way up there? And like, once you get up there, you're just chilling there. It's like, don't, don't you want to like, don't your arms get tired? He's like, oh, that's- he was reaching in his pocket for his phone. I'm like, stop moving. Please stop moving. <laughs> like, don't move. Because, like, then the light post is shaking. Like, I wasn't even more concerned that, like, he fell. Like, oh, you're nervous snap. watching it. Yeah, because it could snap, yeah. fall onto. And I was like, I'm watching this show. This is a good spot. Like, I, this guy's just ruining it for, ruining yeah. for everyone. I just <laughs> I'm got out of his drop zone. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. And people are vacating the drop zone. I'm like, that doesn't matter. Like, it's like a tree falling. And he, there is so many things that could happen, glass going everywhere. But, yeah, so uh, that isn't exactly Shane O'Mac jumping from a steel cage, but a wild experience. That's as close as you're going to get for, for free, I'll tell you. Yeah, but yeah, worth, worth the price of admission at Made in America, which was an incredible oh, yeah. time, though, other than that, because he got down safely and then was escorted to the police tent. That's what happens. Oh, actually, speaking of police, uh, police tents, we did talk about this prior. Joe, did you see the guy uh, try to streak on the uh, on the field during the game? He got down to his underwear. You know, I think I, I didn't see that live. I saw the video on uh, Instagram and Twitter. But I, I think it happened while I was, like, getting food. And while I was getting food, possibly at the same time this man was streaking, first of all, good for him. 
first of a generation, first of the league. Got to respect it. Anyway, while I was uh, getting food, I was lucky. I was I saw some sort of like you know scuffle or whatever. Nothing crazy. I heard like some loud, some yelling start to happen. So I walked over, and there was one guy getting talked to by a security guard, like kind of calming him down. I'm assuming two guys like went at each other. I didn't think it was a big deal. Probably like three or four cops there too, kind of just like what's going on over here. And I saw the other guy who I guess was in the uh, the skirmish. And I guess I don't know what happened, but I saw this man grab a cop by like his shirt and like kind of go at him. And you want to talk about bad ideas because this guy quickly was thrown to the ground, cuffed, got some knees into him, some elbows, and he got got lifted up. And as he's getting walked out. The guy who was in the fight with him is like talking shit, laughing in his face. I really couldn't like it was like the like I it was the worst loss I can I've ever witnessed firsthand by anybody. All I'm <laughs> thinking man. of is those knees <laughs> you're talking about because I know the exact oh, you're talking about. I felt they, them. They bring him down and it's like okay, okay, we got him, we got him, and then <laughs> then they just sneak him in. They just start getting him pieced up with elbows they, and knees. Yeah. They took him to the elevator too, and they put him right against the wall. And as the elevator went down, I was like, "Oh boy, that's not going to be a nice ride down." Yeah, <laughs> especially you putting your hands on a cop. They, uh, for some reason, they're not fans of that. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's, it's like the the law or something. Like, where, where do these guys get off? <laughs> yeah, lighten up, man. It's the XFL. Yeah. You know what the X stands for? Yeah, for real, extreme. <laughs> A part of me thinks that maybe like they sent that whole thing with stage because who knows at this point, who knows what Vince has got cooking that. See, if they took all the fan attractions off the field and like just put them in like the tailgates in the parking lots, that would do just as good. Easily. Like the XFL experience in the parking lot. That's what I'm saying. Well, if you noticed Bill's mafia was in the parking lot and they were going wild. Yeah. Just things like that. If they, even if it was staged, it'd be epic. If you just had like a, a random like WWE fight just on a Sunday, just filmed in in the tailgate, dude. Oh my god, these are the <laughs> ideas. Where is Vince? Can I get his number? Yeah, somebody I mean, write these down. Yeah, yeah, we have it on recording. It's okay. We'll oh, just thank God. this out and we'll save it for ourselves, so no one knows. I I do got to say this though about the uh, like I went there with it was myself a Giants fan and I went there with two friends, one a Cowboys fan, one a Jets fan, and then we met up with uh, my one friend's cousins who was one, a Patriots fan, and the other, a Philly fan. But I'll tell you one thing. When we got into that stadium, we were all guardians, which was nice. My buddy was like, when are we ever going to get to root for the same football team? And I was like, you're right. We got we to gotta embrace this fully. And it was great. And every third down, everybody on their feet, every touchdown, places going bananas. Just honestly, I'll be real. It was the most fun I had at MetLife Stadium in a couple of years, given the circumstances. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, what and to add to that, did you see the guy eating cheese? That's how crazy it was. There was a guy who oh. made ESPN. He just started eating cheese on a third down, and it was. I don't blame him. When I get rally cheese, during a, yeah, exact rally cheese, rally cheese ball game when things get intense. The amount of times I wish I had a slice of cheese on me to just eat and kind of cool off. I count just just really just like and get some endorphins out and really just be yeah. able to assess the situation better. He had American cheese. It could just be sticks of mozzarella. Like I, you don't have to just limit it to one. You could just bring shredded cheddar cheese if you'd like. You know what? We, you could always put some crackers too. <laughs> just crackers and cheese in the right pocket, crackers in the left. They're gonna start selling like cheese and crackers at uh, concession stands. I'm telling you, at we, the XFL. We, we need to uh, just just take this recording, take this interview, just ship it right over to uh, MetLife Stadium, and just let them let them run with it. Just see. They'll call us. Which, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be in touch with us. Did you know, actually, that the president is Andrew Luck's dad, Oliver Luck? Yeah, 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 Oliver Luck. And they don't really look alike. Actually, Oliver Luck looks like They uh, sound, Frank they have the Reich. same kind of like... Well, I think he looks like Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, just without a beard. A little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. Longer face. Frank Reich. Oh. People, not a lot of people know this, but he led the greatest comeback in playoff history. Oliver Luck? Frank. No, uh, Frank Reich. Frank Reich. Yeah. No, Oliver. For the Bills. No, not Oliver Luck. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I believe he played though, or he was a coach or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he definitely played. I'm sure. Or, and yeah, he, I don't think they looked like Andrew Luck's dad. So yeah, so that'll get you somewhere. All right, Joe. Well, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, talking a little bit about everything and uh, your experience at the XFL game. Hopefully, we go uh, to the next game. Uh, yeah, maybe. it's uh, two weeks, I believe. We'll be there. Uh, well, you have it marked on your calendar. So I'll just ask you for now on, on when, when the games are, and we could just 
book it and arrange it from there. Yeah. No more if we're going, it's when we're going. And then we'll fly out for the championship. We'll do a nice show in Miami. It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joe. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Tino. Thanks, man. That interview with Joe Monaco was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? All right, now we're going to switch things over. Not too much. Stay with the New York Giants and New York football and just talk a little bit about Leonard Williams, uh, who Jets fans are very familiar with and Giants fans would be familiar with from last season. Williams is a former lottery or top five pick by the Jets, and the Giants traded a third and a fifth round pick for Leonard Williams last season. Uh, That fifth becomes a fourth if the Giants could somehow manage to sign Williams uh, by March 18th, which leads to the speculation now uh, with nearly a month away. Will the Giants make this move sooner rather than later? Are they going to sign him? Are they going to just waste those picks? And, uh, you know, putting that much draft capital into Williams assumes and makes you believe that their intention is to keep him. Now, the concerning thing for Giants fans is that Williams is allegedly asking for $15 million a year. And in, you know, a offseason where they have plenty of capital in $60 million, and if they cut everyone and do things the right way, could have up to $80 million and really need to fix a lot of their pieces or parts on defense, would be taking a serious hit if they have to pay Williams almost a third of their available salary cap. Now, I looked up a quote on what Gettleman exactly said when they traded for Williams, and he said, well, you know, you got to run the ball, stop the run, rush the passer. And so in Williams' defense, he has stopped the run, and he did it well. But the issue is he only had one sack last season. Granted, he had pressures on the quarterback, but he had the lowest rated grade of his career, according to Pro Football, uh, Pro Football Focus, he had a 66.2 passer rating, or passer grade, pass rush grade, um, which, if you don't know Pro Football Focus's formula, it's not good. <laughs> Just imagine it like a test, 66. It's not great. And so, with one sack, you're going to dive in $15 million and nearly a third of your current available salary cap into a guy that you kind of overpaid for in a sense, especially when you look at it in a way that you found production out of Dalvin Tomlinson last season on the interior of the line, who was probably our best interior lineman on the team. You had Dexter Lawrence, a first-round pick as well, on the interior line as of last year, who showed very good signs as a rookie. And then you got a guy like B.J. Hill, who you had been all in on and is now potentially going to find his way, uh, find himself as the on man out because if Williams comes back, where is he going? And if you're going to pay for a pass rusher, where is he going? You know, whether you run a three, four, four, three. And the thing is, Williams is quoted to have been a little messed up trying to be converted into a three, four pass rusher. So you got to cross that out of the way. If you have Williams, and move him strictly to the inside, and you have two good young guys in Lawrence and Tomlinson, and it's like, you're going to what now? Move him outside or rotate him in? Granted, you know, you look like a, you look at a team like the 49ers, five first-round picks on their line. So there's a way to rotate guys in. You could change packages up. You know, it could help the defense out. But to me, when you have secondary holes that are massive, you're struggling for a pass rush. You have no linebackers, and you're working on an interior lineman which is one of your strengths and you want to put all that money into him because you can't afford to just surrender your third and fifth round picks for no reason. It's a messy situation. It's a cause for concern for giant fans because, you know, it's a, it's a big thing under judge, you know, a new head coach that we start this off on the right foot. And David Gettleman is on thin ice from what I've heard. He's on thin ice and, uh, John Mara and Steve Tisch are not playing games when it comes to pulling the string on him. So if he wants to start things off right, this is on a deadline 
the soonest decision he has to make by March 18th, he better figure it out quick. Because if he puts his marbles and chips into the wrong basket, Dave Gettleman might be counting his days very soon when it comes to his time in New York. So, Giants fans, cross your fingers. Now we're going to switch over to some college football updates from both Rutgers and Army as National Signing Day has passed and the upcoming 2020 class for both teams will not feature a five- or four-star recruit. However, Rutgers does have three, no, 23-star recruits, and Army will have 16 three-star recruits. But uh, I'm going to take a deeper dive into what the Scarlet Knights did uh, more in particular as things were quiet for Rutgers. Um, Shiano has been hustling, going door-to-door, trying to recruit and take and convince uh, as many upcoming uh, freshmen and as many New Jersey guys to stay at home, uh, switch schools, and help build a foundation uh, at Rutgers. Unfortunately, though, that didn't exactly happen, as despite his best efforts, Rutgers finished 13 out of 14th in terms of recruit rankings for the Big Ten. Uh, Only Illinois had a lower ranking than the Scarlet Knights. Um, But more specifically, not even on a national scale, based on the Results from Rivals.com out of the top 20 athletes or potential uh, recruits for the 2020 class. Rutgers was only able to nail one, um, and that was at number 13. Their highest rated recruit was Brian Felter. He is an offensive guard out of Bergen Catholic. Unfortunately, though, Ohio State, uh, the team that runs the Big Ten, finished with two of the top five, sneaking in the top five as well. With the second best player in the upcoming class was Wisconsin, who of course is on the other side of things, owning the Big Ten as well. Not only that, there were Boston College, Penn State, Purdue, Michigan, and like I said, Wisconsin, all in front of Rutgers in those initial rankings of the top 20. Um, All those people were able to snag players 12 spots ahead of Rutgers, who are in the same division as them and are the state school for New Jersey. So that's a discouraging sign. And when you really break down more into it, they had three of the top 25, six in the top 30, nine in the top 40. And, you know, with that said, it wouldn't be as big of a deal if the teams ahead of you aren't in the conference you're in and you aren't losing to schools like BC and Purdue. You can't, if you're the state school of, you know, New Jersey, you're Rutgers, you can't have the same amount of top 20 kids on your roster in your own state as Purdue, Pitt, and Maryland. It can't happen. And so moving forward, I'm sure Shiano's going to try to lock down one of those real top 10 guys, which will probably be the next target point. He had a top 15 guy. Got to get in the top 10, but ultimately the top five. He should be nailing down one of the top three players in that recruiting class. And so they end up finishing with nine in the top 40, which is good. But it's not even fully a fourth of the state. Which, again, if Rutgers is going to want to turn this around, it's got to be there. You got to win the state of New Jersey. You at least got to beat schools like Penn State. Michigan had three recruits in the top 20. BC, two. Ohio State, two. You know, you got to... The Ohio State's and the Michigan, sure. Sometimes those are tough to compete with. You know, they got, they got what every program would want. They got college football playoff pedigree. Ohio State more than Michigan. But nonetheless, Boston College, you know, you can't be losing to Boston College. You got to win those battles. You got to convince some of those kids to stay home. Because they're going to in-conference and playing against you. And are handing you these losses and are responsible for you only winning two, three games a year. So, not the result right away that Shiano, I'm sure, I'm sure would, have, would have liked, would have hoped for. Not terrible, but not the start he would have liked. And short term, the goal has definitely got to be for Scarlet Knight fans and for Shiano and the staff in itself is win that battle of New Jersey. Because it's telling numbers. The recruits in itself say it all. 
You you have no chance of competing in your own conference if you can't win the state battle for those recruits against your own conference. You're losing the game before you even get there because these teams are taking your state's best players. So Rutgers has to hone in and focus on that, at least down the recruiting trail for the seasons uh, for the upcoming seasons. That's it for today's show, though, guys. Please make sure to follow us at NY Football Pod on Twitter. So myself at Tino Rodriguez with an underscore. Download, like, subscribe. We're on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Believe.com. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Really appreciate it. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.